The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia. I'm Station Manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Dr. Claudia McKella. Good morning, Claudia. How are you doing from the home office these days? You know what? I'm doing well. I'm doing great. I'm home in my home office again. I'd much rather be in the studio today with you, but uh, it is what it is. So we're just making the best of it. How are you doing? We're good, thank you. We're a little lonely here in the studio. We're certainly um, practicing social and physical distancing, and it is challenging on some days not to have everybody around here and having that energy. But we know that this is for the greater good, and we're going to continue doing it for as long as we have to. Now I know that you've got your children at home, how are they adjusting to online instruction? So, you know, that brings about a new challenge. So aside from, you know, being isolated in home as much as we possibly can, uh, now we're dealing with trying to get these kids back into the routine of learning and uh, using their mind and uh, occupying their time that way. So in my home, it's been going very well. Um, I'm really strict about keeping the kids on some sort of a schedule. So they're not sleeping in until all hours of the day, and they're not going to bed at all hours of the night. So we're trying to maintain that. They're logging on early in the morning, getting whatever work they need to get done uh, done for their school and for teachers. Um, and then they have free time, but they do have to, where my husband and I enforce, they do have to read a book. So they have to read a book of choice, and, um, and this way they're kind of continuing on what the learning is supposed to be happening at school. So that's how we're handling all that. And that seems to make a lot of sense, and it's what I'm hearing from a lot of the experts like yourself, is how important it is for all of us to maintain a schedule. It really does help the mind and the body. Yep, and you know, getting up in the morning, uh, you know, enjoying that for a week where you thought, okay, I have nowhere to go, it's kind of like a staycation, you know, there's nothing wrong with putting that in your mind, that you had some time to unwind, to regroup, you know, be in vacation mode, but you know, you'll notice, and for those people who are still in that mode where they just want to be home, stay in their pajamas all day, if you try this, you know, just get up in the morning, a reasonable hour, okay, and just get yourself up, ready to go, get dressed feeling like you have some sort of a schedule, it'll make such a difference in how your mind feels. You'll feel so much more inspired. You won't feel like we're all um, kind of stuck at home. You'll feel like you have purpose again. And I think that's what we need to do for our minds to feel like there is some sort of normalcy in our lives. Now, this is the holiday weekend for many. Passover and Easter celebrations are like any other this year. Uh, Life has certainly changed for all of us, don't you think? You know what? Honestly, life as we remember it is going to change. So we, none of us, really have ever experienced a pandemic of this magnitude in 100 years. Imagine. I think the last one was like in 1918. So most people have, who are alive today have never experienced a pandemic and have never had to experience this because life was different 100 years ago. So most of the things I'm hearing from my patients, from my friends, even from my family is like, how did this happen? Like, and what is going to happen when and if we get back to normal life? Like, what is going to be different? So the reality is everyone is having a different reaction to this COVID. So 
it starts off as fear, then it becomes uncertainty, then at some point some people are like, this, is, this can't be real, this, this has to be you know, uh, fake news. Um, and then there's disbelief, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is actually happening. So everyone's reacting differently. Um, but I do believe that at some point we've all experienced that fear. So like, what is going to happen and how is my life and the lives of my family going to change after this? Um, you know what? I think it is going to change, but I think that we need to focus on being rational. Okay? Because when you let fear take over, you stop thinking rationally about what's really happening. Let's be rational about this. Okay? Supply chain is not going to end. Okay? We will always have enough food. We'll always have enough resources to live life on a daily basis. Think about it like this. The economy cannot go on like this. So at some point, we're going to have to get back to some sort of new normal. People are going to have to go back to work. Our children are going to have to go back to school. So these are realities. When you start thinking about this and start thinking rationally, you kind of push away the whole apocalypse mindset. It cannot be. We have to be rational. We have resources. The world is different than 100 years ago. And think about post-war. What happened after a crazy, tragic war was industrialization. That created an economy that was flourishing and did so for many years. So that's how we have to look at it. We have to be rational and think we'll have enough food, we'll have enough supplies, we do have to get back to work because our economy needs it, and, uh, and just be you know, confident in that. And you, like me, I think believe that we are going to get through this. Absolutely, we're going to get through it. However, I do believe that the only way we're going to get through it is if we follow the rules. Mm -hmm. You know, rules are made so that we can get past this. So social distancing. You know what? I'm sad that this weekend I can't be with my family and my friends and celebrate a religious holiday or just even get together with my family, but I'm not getting together with them because I don't want to risk anybody's well-being. So if we look at it like that, we'll think, you know what? Summer is coming. Hopefully, we can get back to summer and we can celebrate every event that we missed over those months. Um, and maybe just thinking that having smaller gatherings more frequently is probably better than big gatherings all at once where everybody's together you know, in one small space. And I think we have to believe that, yes, we will get out of this, but we have to adhere to the rules at this point in our lives, or else it will just continue to recycle, and we will not get out of this situation. So if we want to believe that this summer we will be able to get back to some kind of normalcy, then let's just take a breath and a pause right now. Yep, I completely agree with that. You can have a coffee with your friends later. You can get together and go for walks with your friends later. And I'm just going to say, like, I have still been seeing people getting together in groups and having walks. Um, I get it. I miss, my, I miss my neighbors. I miss my family. But if you're going to go for a walk, you really should limit it to only the people that you're living with. And don't be going to the grocery store in groups. And don't be going five days a week. Get your shopping done for at least the week, so that you're limiting the amount of time you're exposing yourself and being exposed to others. And the reality is that, yes, I do believe we will get out of it, but when we do come out of this, life will be different. Our priorities might be different. The way we work and the way we function will be different. So I think, you know, you mentioned fear and anxiety. I 
that is what we know for sure. Let's be confident in the fact that we will come through this. Life will be different. And like we've adjusted to this time, we will adjust to whatever that new normal looks like. And like I say, just in general, um, change is good. So when somebody's trying to get, I'm going to compare it to health because this is going to be at the forefront of everybody's mind. So when you're trying to change your lifestyle, it's always for the better. So being healthy is good. Change is good. And in this case, change will be good for the planet. It'll be good for the economy. It'll be good for people. We're going to change the way we do things and the way we look at life. So in the long run, I know we can't see it now, but I think it will be very, very good. And I, I have no doubt of that. But before that, we need to follow the rules and we need to be cautious. Coming up next, managing our anxiety during the COVID-19 pandemic. This is the Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us info at 1059theregion.com. Trying to keep the family busy at home? Crocodoodle Unionville is offering pottery painting kits with free home delivery in Markham and Stouffville. Choose your ceramic pieces from the gallery at crocodoodle.com Unionville and call in your order and payment info. Paint at home and we'll professionally kiln fly your masterpieces when studio business resumes. Have questions? Give us a call at 905-940-5670 or email us at unionville at crocodoodle.com. Booster Juice at 10775 Leslie Street is continuing to produce healthy, delicious smoothies and great food selections. You can get delivery through Uber Eats, Skip the Dishes, or DoorDash for a safe and contactless delivery. We have taken all the steps to make sure that you can continue to enjoy the nutrition you need while respecting the need to stay home. As always, we're here to serve you. 105.9 The Region. COVID-19 has changed all our lives. The how and where we work and shop and learn. The information is constant and evolving and physical distancing is the new normal. As we continue to adjust, it can be overwhelming and difficult to know where to find the information you need about your city, your town, your neighborhood. That's where we come in with the stories that matter to you and your family from across York Region. We are 105.9 The Region. 105.9 The Region. Everywhere you are. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to the Wellness Prescription. I'm Tina Cortez and my co-host is Dr. Claudia McKilla. Thank you, Tina. Our guest today is Laura Cavanaugh, Seneca College professor and registered psychotherapist. Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to talk to you about very interesting things. Um, yeah, there you have it. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and your work. And basically, what is a psychotherapist for listeners who may not know what that is? Sure. Um, so psychotherapy is uh, when we uh, is a treatment for um, psychological uh, diagnoses or mental health issues that uses psychological techniques. 
So any person um, that works with someone with a, a psychological diagnosis or, or just you know, mental health concerns um, without using medication or surgery or electroconvulsive therapy or anything like that, like it's just using a psychological intervention um, is a psychotherapist. And psychotherapists are registered health professionals or there's a college that, that regulates our, our practice. So um, psychotherapists may work with clients in many different populations. You don't have to have a psychological diagnosis to see a, um, a psychotherapist, and many people seek out psychotherapy um, just, you know, when they're having, like, um, um, concerns about their daily life or their ability to manage stress. Well, it seems like these times uh, currently with this COVID pandemic would be a very busy time for you. Um, and I'm sure that everyone's reaction to this COVID-19 is different. So how in general terms do we handle those moments of fear and anxiety? Well, you know, there's a lot of variability in how people manage stress. And, you know, psychologists um, talk about resilience and hardiness, and those are um, personality characteristics that predict our ability to handle stress. So stress is universal, um, and this is a good example of how stress is universal because it's affecting all of us, every single one of us, in, in different ways. You know, like some people have lost their jobs. Others are out there putting their, um, their lives at risk by working um, directly with individuals that have coronavirus, um, you know, people are, are out there keeping our society running by, by um, you know, delivering groceries and, and uh, driving trucks and all those things that are sort of keeping us all going at this time. Um, so, you know, we're all experiencing stress and people's ability to cope with stress is very, very, um, it's very variable. And so how does fear start and then mm -hmm. how do we stop it? Yeah. So, you know, we are... Um, like ultimately, we are animals, right? And so um, we are well designed, or I should say our brain is well designed um, to pick out perceived threats. And that's a good thing. It's kept us alive for, you know, uh, millennia over evolutionary time. It's one of the reasons why we're the dominant species on the planet is we have a good fear response, like all animals. So like any animal, we go into um, fight or flight or freeze when we're faced with a perceived stressor um, or a perceived threat. And so we, um, our brain reacts to fearful stimuli or, or fearful events or fearful, fearful circumstances very, very quickly. And the thing is, um, because it's happening at the back of your brain, sort of like our, sometimes we call it our reptilian brain or, or our brain that evolved many, many years ago before our giant frontal lobes, um, it happens very quickly and it happens automatically and it often happens in ways that people don't even notice, right? Like we, we, we almost, um, uh, like fear happens so quickly that we can't, we sometimes are behaving in ways that we're afraid before we even realize that we're afraid, right? And that's why sometimes like people will be like, well, I, I feel like I'm coping okay except for um, you know, I, I can't, I keep losing things. I can't remember where I put anything. Or I felt like I was coping okay, but then, you know, I stubbed my toe and I cried for an hour or something like that, right? So sometimes um, we're, we're reacting to the fear without even realizing it. And what about for children? How are they reacting to the fear? How are they, how does it manifest itself in them? Mm -hmm. So, you know, with kids, um, their ability to process and express their emotions is limited compared to an adult. And I have two kids myself, you know, and so I'm really aware of the impact it's having on them and, and how they might be expressing their 
fear. So kids will, I mean, not like I shouldn't say rarely, right, but kids tend to communicate more with behavior um, than with words. So um, all forms of behavior are communication. They're all telling us something. They're all expressing some kind of need um, or want or desire. Um, and so with kids, we have to, especially with younger kids, we really kind of have to be an interpreter of of their behavior so that we understand what their fear response is. So, you know, a child might be, um, like when I said we go into fight, flight, or freeze, um, those are kind of universal um, animal reactions. I was going to say human reactions, but really it's any animal when they're, they're faced with stress or when they're experiencing fear. And so, um, you know, obviously like fight in a um, like we could picture what that would look like in a tiger, right? But in, in us, like we're not necessarily physically fighting for our lives, but going into a fight mode might mean um, being grumpy, being uh, having a shorter temper than usual, right? So you might see that in your kids where they're less um, less easy, you know, <laughs> where they're they're being a little more um, a little more difficult, a little more resistant, and that's not because they're trying to um, you know try your nerves. It's because that's how they express their fear, or even sometimes without even realizing it, right? Um, and then flight is when people go into avoid mode, right? And we might see that with kids too, where they really withdraw. Um, and that is also a sign of fear. And you might see that especially in, in older kids or, or teens, right? Um, and so although it's a normal reaction, we don't want it to go on um, for too long, and we don't want them to withdraw so much that they feel like they can't connect with someone else, right? Um, and then freeze is when we become, like think deer in headlights, that's freeze, okay? Um, and so fear, sorry, freeze is when we become paralyzed. It's hard to do anything. And you might see that, um, like in a child, that might mean like, no, oh, it's hard to get out of bed. Um, you ask them to do something, it takes forever. Um, that, might be, uh, that might be the freeze response, which is another way of expressing fear. And in really young kids, sometimes we see regression, and that is also really normal. So it's not something to be worried about. And so regression just means, um, it's a Freudian term, for going back to an earlier um, developmental behavior. So like if your child is suddenly asking for a nightlight or maybe even wanting to sleep in your bed if they're a younger child, um, sometimes like kids will start bedwetting when they're really stressed, like young kids. Um, those are all really normal ways to express fear. And it just means that the kid might need more time with you, more time comforting, maybe less information, less news, you know, sometimes less is more. Um, so those would be ways that kids might express fear. And so I guess that can also spill over into explaining why some people are stockpiling while <laughs> others are still choosing to go on their cruise vacation. Absolutely, Claudia. You know, when we, like fear or, or stress kind of, lots of psychologists look at stress as sort of being in three stages. You know, like there's the, um, there's the part where you're mobilizing, um, fight or flight response. There's the part where you're resisting, which is where you're coping. But we can't do that forever, right? And so eventually we reach exhaustion. <laughs> and when we reach exha exhaustion, people's behavior tends to um, go to the extreme. So it's, you know, and, and like the extremes, behaviorally speaking, um, are usually not helpful. Okay? So some people might become reckless and some people might become overly cautious. Um, you know, so like that's why you might see uh, someone um, I don't know, like, yeah, like oh, stockpiling um, more toilet paper than they would for like a nuclear winter. <laughs> and you might see other people suddenly be, you know what, I can't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to, um, I mean, now lots of things are closed, so your options 
I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go to the park. I'm going to like forget it. I can't do the social distancing. I'm going to go to hang out with my friends. Or you know, people will like our our ability to resist is like to resist stress and to to stay in that state is is limited. So it's really important that we're doing. Um, mindful things in order to manage our stress, in order to keep it lower, in order to have breaks from it, because we can't stay in sort of a healthy resistance um, where we're making good decisions for a long time. We just can't. You know, that, like, we're not wired that way. Think of like fight or flight, right? Like an animal will run really, really fast when it's frightened. Um, and you hear about like that in humans too, right? When someone is like in, in fight or flight mode and they lift a car off of their, uh, you know, off, the, off of someone who's been hit in the road, or they they have. But we don't, we can't maintain that. That's a short burst of of um, of strength or or resistance, and we can't maintain that. And so it's really important that we fill that up. Um, there's a concept in in psych called um, reserve capacity, um, and you know our and that's actually like a, both a physical thing and a psychological thing. When we deplete our psychological reserves, our ability to cope becomes more and more limited. So that's why you might be. Um, you know, you might feel like you're coping, but then like one thing goes wrong. Oh my God, I can't get a grocery spot, uh, delivery spot, and and then it just feels like everything is falling apart. You know, the the ability to manage any kind of stress is just gone because our reserve capacities are depleted. So it's really important that we fill those up. So can I ask you then, if our reserve capacities are depleted, can we fill them up again? Like, how do you replenish them? Yeah. Well, you know, all the things that we do. To manage anxiety, all the things that, like you know, we we all hear and, and sometimes we do and sometimes we don't do, <laughs> are are helpful um, in times like this and even more essential, right? There aren't really any um, kind of magic techniques except for um, those things that we know um, from a psychological perspective are are. Um, are beneficial at any time, right? So things like exercise is really great. Um, Meditation is really great. Connecting with others is really important for our psychological well-being, um, for our mental health, and that is a challenge when we're in isolation. So it's important to seek out those connections uh, more mindfully. And technology can be a really great um, avenue for that, right? Like we're we're lucky compared to the pandemic in 1920, for example, when if you were stuck at home, you were really stuck at home. Like we have ways to to reach out to people. Um, and then I think you know we talk. Those are sort of um, action-oriented coping techniques. But um, psychologists think about problem-focused and emotion-focused coping. And problem-focused coping is where you kind of directly attack the, the problem, right? So in this case, that would be things like what can you do that's under your control? You can you can wash your hands a lot. Um, you can uh, limit your outings. Um, but emotion-focused coping is really great in situations like this where there's not a lot that we can do to manage the situation, right? There's, like, it's out of our control. And so changing, it's not an external, you know, there's nothing we can do externally, so we have to um, change, it's an internal job, you know? Um, we have to change how we feel and how we think about it as much as we can. So, you know, a couple of tips that are emotion-focused coping, um, you know, one would be, this is going to sound funny, but like our brain, like remember how I said like our brain is such a great, uh, it's a great perceiver of danger. Like it's, you know, we we really respond to threat and really strongly, and that's a great thing from an evolutionary perspective. Our brain really hates 
really, really hates um, uncertainty. Um, so we do better with a certain threat from a, uh, from a psychological perspective than with an uncertain threat. Okay? So um, an example of this is there was a, a study done um, a few years ago where they told people that you're going to get a painful shock. Or sorry, painful shot. 100%, you're going to get this. Um, and the people who were told that were calmer than the people who were told there's a 50% chance that you're going to get this painful shot. So, like knowing something bad is coming is actually better from a psychological perspective than knowing something bad might be coming. Like our brain really perceives uncertainty as dangerous. And so these are uncertain times. There's, there's like every day the news is changing, every day the recommendations are changing. We have to make lots of decisions that are also changing all the time, like should I wear a mask, should I not wear a mask, you know, um, how am I going uh, to get my groceries, how am I going to get my elderly parents their medication, all these things. Um, and the recommendations for how to do those things is changing all the time. So we can't make this situation less uncertain, but what we can do is see the certainty in, it, in the uncertainty. So in other words, if you could accept the uncertainty, if you can tell your brain like, okay, this is going to be, um, I can tell you 100% that this is going to be an uncertain situation for a period of time, it actually makes it less scary. So that's kind of like an emotion-focused way of, of looking at things, like acceptance um, of the situation, including the uncertainty of the situation. Wow. Now, just in closing, um, yeah. you mentioned social distancing uh, as being something we can control. Now, do you see uh, any benefit beyond uh, just slowing the spread of this disease? Do you see any benefit to continuing to social distance? Well, you know, humans are social animals. We really are. We need social connection with others. It's really important. So um, from a psychological perspective, a mental health perspective. Um, so, you know, in, in many ways, like the, the paradox of social distancing um, is that it may be keeping us safer, but from a mental health perspective, it, it, um, it has the opposite effect. So, that, you know, that's why I was saying, like, it is important to seek out social connection. But, you know, Gratitude is the enemy of fear. So it's hard to be grateful and, and, and fearful at the same time. So when we can think of the benefits, even, um, uh, even in this situation, um, it makes it easier. It's, it's, that's another emotion-focused coping situation. It's, it's, uh, sorry, technique. It's, it's a, it makes it easier for us to deal with it. So for example, um, you know, um, there, there's a, I've been thinking a lot about the psychologist um, Viktor Frankl. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was a physician and he um, was uh, imprisoned in the concentration camps. He lost everything. He lost his wife. He lost his parents. And his spirit really remained unbroken. And he wrote about that experience in his, um, in his famous book, Man's Search for Meaning. Um, you know, and one of the things that he said is that, like, if you can find um, your purpose, um, then difficult circumstances are easier to endure. So how can we find our purpose in this situation? Well, Frankel said like helping others is one, right? So um, there's lots of people that need help, you know, elderly people who need medications delivered, um, people who need uh, groceries. Even just calling to check on a friend is a way of helping that, that gives you some purpose, and that can change the way you feel about it. And Frankel also said um, that his faith, his, his, like he was Jewish, that was why he was in the camp, so his religious practices, but also his, he believed the whole time that his wife was alive. He, you know, he, he kept that faith. In the end, it wasn't what happened, but like his belief in her survival kept him going. His belief in a brighter future kept him going. So whether you have a spiritual practice or not, 
Um, this period of isolation can offer a time for reflection and meditation on your place in the universe and, and your purpose in this life. And that can be a benefit in this you know, opportunity to slow down. Absolutely. Laura, I cannot thank you enough. I think everyone will feel so much more relieved, um, relieved after they listen to the show. Um, thank you for joining us today. If our listeners want to contact you or learn more about you, how can they do that? So there's a couple of ways. Um, I have a Twitter account. It's at LCAVA, um, at L-C-A-V-A. So you can um, send me a tweet or, or send me um, uh, a private message through um, through Twitter, um, and I also have. So I'm the academic coordinator of the behavioral sciences program at Seneca. If you look at um, uh, on Instagram at Seneca College BHS, um, that's me, and I do check those messages. Um, and we also have a Facebook page. It's the same one at Seneca College BHS. So those are the places to uh, to reach me, and I'd be I'd love to hear I'd love to hear from your listeners. And thanks so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> Our pleasure. Thank you so much. And Dr. Claudia, please remind our listeners how to follow you. You can find me at uh, Claudia underscore Machiella on Instagram or on my website at www.thecenterforhealth.ca. And that's our show for this week. If you missed any part of the wellness prescription, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on Twitter at 1059theregion or call 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. This is 1059 The Region.